So I'm a huge believer in taking the small steps, but doing them relatively rapidly. You save 1% a month over a three-year period, you'll get to saving 40% of your income in no time. And you really won't notice that much of a difference, especially at the same time if you're trying to make more money. That's millennial millionaire Grant Sabatier, founder of Millennial Money. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, he'll explain how extreme saving and the art of the side hustle, from cat sitting to VW camper van flipping, took him from $2.26 in the bank to a net worth of a million dollars in just five years. Plus, seven things you should do to become a millionaire. Joe and Big Al also discuss what President Trump's tax plan means for the middle class, whether you should pay off the mortgage or save for retirement, and a whole bunch of Star Wars nonsense. And finally, why in the world would anyone call Big Al Clopine a douchebag? Keep listening to find out. Now, here are Darth Vader, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al, definitely not a D-bag Clopine CPA. You and I just met a celebrity. We did, yeah. And, uh, you know, every now and again, people think we're celebrities, but we, we've met no, a real No, you celebrity. always think yourself as a celebrity. I've never once called myself anything close I to that. I, no, let, <laughs> let, me, let me repeat what I said, because you're not listening. I said every now and again, people think we are celebrities. Oh. But we actually just met a real one. Yes, Evan Nova 95, folks. Write that down. He's a Star Wars guru. So he's got 89,000, 89 million followers or yeah, something. Yeah, and he's been doing this for four years. We've been doing ours for 10 or 20 years. 20 years. We got six subscribers. <laughs> we got six, six, six subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> this kid's got 89,000. Every and, time every time we get up to 10, so, three, three or four drop off. You, you know, we talked about like my worst purchase in the world yeah. was my Darth Vader mask right. that I spent like $700 for. <laughs> Do you ever use it? Well, yeah, so it's sometimes I throw it on, you know, have a couple cocktails, people are over, I throw it on for about 30 seconds. <laughs> I've never seen you It's wear heavy. It. It's yeah. really heavy. Yeah. It's super uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't breathe in it. Can you drink your cocktails through no, it? No, no. That's why it's only on for about 30 seconds. Got it. Okay. But yeah, this is, uh, I, so I start quizzing the kid. Yeah. Man. He knows everything He's, about Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. What the heck is going on? Right. I was like, yeah, what are those things called on, a, on those bikes? Oh, you mean scout, scout, scout troopers. troopers? We got scout troopers. We got snow troopers and storm troopers. Storm and so probably got other kind of troopers. Bike troopers. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna start a podcast together, Evan Nova ninety five and myself. We're gonna yeah. do Star Wars finance, and you're gonna talk about your bad purchase. <laughs> Now, in retrospect, would you have bought that again? At oh, first without without question. So then, it's not a bad purchase. It's right in my living room. Everyone well, walks into my house, and a, I got a Bruce Lee doll. Then, <laughs> got it. And you're single. Yes. Now, 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 imagine that. Now it's starting to come together. Yes. Is it all coming together? <laughs> yeah. Evan, you know anything about Bruce Lee? We can do that too. We can throw that in the mix. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Lee versus Star Wars, Chewbacca. Oh, so for those of you that are new to our show, um, Al and I were financial advisors. Al's a CPA, I'm a certified financial planner, but we um, well we broadcast out of Sound Studio in San Diego, right? And so we meet all sorts of characters. We do. in this place. Yeah, <laughs> you never we know. got American Idol. You know, tryouts are here. We yeah. got a lot of times they'll be musicians, these really cool guys, and then they see us walking up in suits. Suits. <laughs> they don't really give us eye contact. Yeah. And there's like three different studios here, right? There's a small little box yes. that you can go into. We call that the hot box. Right. And then there's this giant one where they can set up bands, and then right. we're usually in this other one. And so one day, we got confused on what studio that we have to go into. You should say, I got confused. Yeah, Big Al got a little confused. So he keeps opening up the door. And then they're, you know, they're recording. And then all of a sudden, they put up a sign that says, Douchebag Munch. <laughs> that was for Big Al. That was for me. I still didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I guess it means don't go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't. I mean, they could have said, please do not come in. I would have understood Please keep that. the door shut. I would have totally understood nope. that. Douchebag Munch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It was too complicated. Oh boy! Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's the only that's well. I don't know. I don't know if that's the only time I've done that, but that's the most memorable. Time. Yeah, that was the most memorable. Right <laughs> in the middle of the song. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, the guy's in a solo. He's got one, ear, you know, earphone on. He's like just blaring. And then I, I walk in. Do you need a backup singer? Yeah, right. <laughs> I play the ukulele. Yeah, you, you bet. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Anyway, anyway. 
So, yes. well, it's uh, and so you're a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, Evan Nova ninety five, folks. That's yeah. what you got to do. That's a YouTube channel. If you have any, he does. I guess um, he was taping. Right. Um, voiceovers. Right. And then I guess he plays videos and lights and stuff. And I guess there was a big debate about who could beat Yoda versus Qatar. Is that right? Something like that? I don't even know who Qatar is. It was like, <laughs> what, Yoda's playing the guitar? <laughs> is that what? What's... <laughs> so that I, that's where my mind went. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so if, if you're into that, that's where you got to go. So he's a good kid. Well, and then along with that, go to Your Money, Your Wealth. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. And because he's got 89,000 subscribers. We've got four. Channel. We need some help. <laughs> <laughs> we got 7,000 videos on ours. <laughs> we can try. All we got to do is... They, and they, they rank them by most popular. Yeah, here's get, what I'm, I'm going to wear my Star Wars mask and I'm going to talk about a Roth IRA. Guaranteed. Maybe that'll work. I will get 89,000 subscribers. That's our problem. We're wearing suits. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, All right. We've learned this. a lot today already yes. in a short period of time. Yeah, well, that's how, to, how, how you to, monetize. How to market ourselves uh, and to appeal to the masses. Yep. Wear Star Wars costumes and talk finance. <laughs> I got We'd be the only ones doing that. Yes, right. Think? That's a niche. Yes, yeah, that's niche. a niche or niche. I so, hate it when people say niche too. I just niche. heard that. Oh, it just drives me nuts. Well, so we we should pre- you know Comic Con. So we'll we'll be we'll have a booth there. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How is your your savings for retirement? Oh. Well, you know, I, I've done that for, for like, what, two or three years, the man on the street for our TV yes, show? It, right. So we would go out, and yeah. then I would interview, you know, yeah, all, all the different characters. Heroes. Yeah. Oh, what a nightmare that was. <laughs> it's like, then, these people would be dressed up, right, yeah. in all in, sorts in of costumes. Yeah, yeah, and then they would be in character. Yeah. and you, But you'd ask them. Have you saved enough for retirement? Yeah. Well, I don't need to save for retirement. I saved the world. It's like, oh my God. Do I really have to do this for another well, I hour? I you didn't do it last year. Yeah. <laughs> you got tired of it. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So, anyway. What, I think um, you're, you're a tall guy. You could be Chewbacca. Yeah, you, I could be. You could be uh, Darth Vader. Sure. Yeah. I'll be um, I'll be Luke. I'm about the right size for oh, Luke. Oh, I knew you were going to pick Luke. Of course, yeah. The good, the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> The good boy. Yeah. And you'd, be, you'd be Darth Vader. Yes. Yeah. And then, then you're my father. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is getting weird. Oh, this show is just the wheels have come off significantly. You know, when the when this happens at the very start of the show, it's you might as well just pick another station. <laughs> yeah, we got nothing. <laughs> we got our TV show. We just wrapped up season four. Yeah, we sure did. I think um, I was just computing our shows, and this last show that we just did was show 101. Wow! So we hit that 100 mark. We didn't even know it. We hit our hundredth show. Well, we should have had a party or we something. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't wasn't paying attention. Yeah, well, well the first few probably didn't didn't well, count. Yeah, you, could, you could throw out the first two seasons as yeah. practice. <laughs> That's why no one subscribed to our channel. Yeah, right, they saw awful. one of those old shows. And these guys are terrible. So it would appear Joe sits around playing with expensive toys all night. Al's a douchebag. These guys got nothing, and a few extra subscribers would totally make their day. But that's not true. Al's not a douchebag at all. The rest of that stuff, well, (laughs) seriously, though, if you check out Your Money, Your Wealth, and Pure Financial Advisors on YouTube, you'll find that there is some actual useful stuff there, unlike this first segment. That latest episode of the TV show, it's on surviving retirement without a pension. They've also talked asset location, understanding Medicare, banking on your house as an income stream in retirement. And yes, if you want, you can search the channel for Comic-Con like I did and watch this. The Jedi Order has a wonderful defined benefits program. So as long as I stay in it for about 30 years, then I can retire and then I will actually get a defined benefit for the rest of my life. For full episodes of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show and video clips both ridiculous and sublime, just search YouTube for Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. And check back regularly because we are always adding new videos. Today's show, we're going to focus on millennials with our guests. We got Grant Sabatier. Millennial money. You know, this guy, he went from $2.26 to $1 million in five years. Yeah, that was better than I did. It took me a little bit longer. Oh, whatever. You're still go. You're like 45 years in, brother. You're still trying to get 50 yeah, grand. I'm almost halfway. <laughs> well, Grant, welcome to the show, my friend. I uh, really appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Stoked to be on. Hey, well, t- tell us your story. Yeah, I, I want to hear I want to hear Do- like, from, from, just... two, from $2 to a million in five years. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I was like a lot of 
you know, middle class kids. You know, I went to college and studied something that's pr- pretty uh, un- unapplicable to the real world in a lot of cases, philosophy. And then I got out uh, and bounced around for about three years uh, through a bunch of jobs. And, you know, I was like any young 20 something. I was just, you know, spending everything I was making, just going out, you know, partying on the weekends and just, you know, living life uh, like like anyone in their early 20s should, but really didn't value money at all. And, you know, the Great Recession hit and found myself uh, at 24 back living at home with my parents, you know, a pretty common scenario for, for me and my friends at the time, and just really didn't see a clear path forward. Um, you know, I was a pretty decent writer and you know, it was pretty good at math, but, you know, the jobs I'd had were kind of so diverse, I didn't really see a career path forward. So, you know, I was broke, I was 24, living at home, and really was like, man, you know, I just blew through everything that I made. You know, how can I not make that mistake again? And, you know, around this time, I started, you know, to read a little bit about money, obviously, because I didn't have any. And I was like, okay, how am I going to do things differently? And to be honest, I became pretty obsessed uh, with the prospect of, you know, trying to make as much money as quickly as possible because, you know, I, I realized that, you know, $1 saved when you're 24 is worth at least 2 to $3 saved when you're 34. So just obviously the sort of quintessential compound interest, uh, you know, uh, benefit of being young. And so I was like, hey, you know, if I can fast track this, if I can just make a bunch of money and, and, and save it now, uh, you know, that can open up so many possibilities for me later. And I, I really took it to the extreme, but I needed a new skill set. So this is a time when, you know, digital marketing was starting to get a little popular, but not really. Uh, I taught myself Google advertising uh, on YouTube in about 60 days and basically went from knowing hardly anything about digital marketing to landing a job at a digital marketing agency making 50K. And by the end of that first year, uh, you know, I was making 50K in my full-time job, but I started side hustling and building websites and running ad campaigns for law firms in Chicago, and I made $400,000 that year. So I was basically able to significantly fast-track, uh, you know, my money-making. Um, and the crazy thing, during that entire period, I was saving about 80% of my uh, full-time income and 100% of my side hustle income. So interestingly, every dollar that I saved back in 2010 is worth $3.50 today. So that was really kind of my strategy. And, you know, didn't sleep a lot during the five-year period that this happened. But, you know, I was making a lot of sacrifices because I knew that if I could invest, I knew that the market was down, uh, that I'd have a pretty decent shot of you know, at least being able to retire by the time I was 35. I didn't know uh, when I started, uh, you know, really kind of what early retirement even was. I set the arbitrary goal to hit a million dollars, and I hit that in five years and three months uh, from from the day that I set that goal. Wow. So <laughs> you were laser focused. And but just, how do you save well, it, 80% yeah, but, but, of 50 grand and 100% of 400? But, Where, did you still live in the basement? Did mom and dad, I mean, what? Like, you live like a bum. That's how oh, like, were you sleeping on the street and no, begging I actually, for food? I actually, I actually didn't even live at home at that period. My parents only let me crash there for three months. Um, so I had to get out once I got the job. But you know, I found a crappy apartment, uh, you know, with a roommate, and then I moved into a crappy apartment by myself. And my apartment was, you know, in Chicago, I was paying about seven hundred a month. So, you know, it was it was it was a deal, uh, but it was it was pretty bad. You know, my girlfriend, uh, who's now my wife at the time, wouldn't even come over to my place. Uh, you know, she was just like, "What are you doing?" Uh, you know, and I and I just didn't spend any money. I mean, I did like I was doing crazy stuff too. I was like. I had a number of like uh, places that I would sublet and then resublet. You know, I was doing all this crazy stuff. Um, did and you, then I was, did you, know, you lose a lot of friends? Were they like, oh, here we go, Grant? <laughs> yeah, this guy's not going to spend a dime on beers or what? Right. We got to buy <laughs> yeah, him a beer. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually I just stopped kind of going out. You know, I started so you prioritizing. A hermit. <laughs> not a hermit. No, I just started prioritizing. You know, making money. So I, I tended to like, I got really into like moped flipping and like Volkswagen camper flipping because like you can make tons of money flipping Volkswagen campers. So I started doing that and I started getting acquainted with like some mechanics in Chicago and people. And, you know, so I started making actually a pretty, a much more diverse set of friends, uh, you know, dur- during that period. But no, my, 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 my normal friends, I've had the same best friend 
since I was five. So, you know, they, they, <laughs> they stuck, they stuck, with, stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You, you know, if I, I'm looking at your bio, and it, and it says you started at about 15% savings. So how long did it take to get up to 80%? How did, how did that happen? Yeah, probably about six months. Um, so this was, this was a really messy period. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I just was, was trying to figure it out as I went. Uh, and it was one of those things where it's like, whoa, okay, 15%, great. Okay, you know, 30%, wow, okay, you can do this. And finally, it's just like, you know, I, I became obsessed with it. So it's one of those things where you're trying to spend as little as possible uh, and, and try to maximize that savings rate. So, you know, I've analyzed my savings rate literally weekly. So it would fluctuate. It's not like, you know, you're maintaining an 85% uh, savings rate for, you know, the entire year, for example. You know, it would fluctuate a little bit. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was, it was a messy process. Uh, and it was one of those things where, you know, I started to look at money and see the future value of money instead of the present value. And it it was, it was kind of revolutionary for me. You know, it was like, Oh, well, do I really want to like, you know, buy that for a hundred bucks when I can save and invest that money? You know, it's like any hobby. It actually became, you know, a lot of, you know, became my hobby. I read like over 300 personal finance books and I think I'm like destined to be a, a finance writer, just given all of this, uh, interestingly, but yeah, I became pretty just into it. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, I get really laser focused on it. And, uh, once I, once I started seeing the money accumulate and once I sold like my first hundred thousand dollar project, it was like game over. It's like, Oh my gosh, I literally got, I got a law firm. Uh, the biggest website I'd sold before was five grand. So I got a law firm to pay me five grand. It took me three weeks to build the website and then I got another law firm to pay me a hundred grand for basically the same template of the website that I had developed, and I built it in like a weekend. You know, and I was like, my mind just completely blew. And it was one of these things these lawyers don't know; they just want a really nice looking website. And you know, I figured out that at the heart of making money, it's it's, it's really even not about the value you create; it's the perception of that value. And I started to realize that bigger law firms who had bigger budgets had a higher perceived value of that website. You know, they thought that because they had, you know, 200 lawyers, uh, that the website would be harder to build, but, but that's not actually the case. So, you know, I was able to, to really just focus on client service and, and maximize the perceived value uh, and, and, and really focus on just, you know, getting paid as much as possible to do the work. I love this. There's, I got so many questions. (laughs) It's like, you know, just some of the things that you said, it, I mean, it makes so much sense. It's like, all right, well, here, instead of spending, do you like Star Wars, by the way, Wade Grant? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Have, have I didn't ever... have time to watch it, but I, yes, I've seen Star Wars. I've only seen the first Star Wars. Yeah, he's so he's going to tell you his, his woeful story. So here. I bought this Darth Vader <laughs> Star Wars mask for like $700. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, the future value of Darth Vader's mask is like a hundred grand in thirty years from now. That stupid okay, mask totally. cost me right? Yeah, right. If you think of it that way, I mean, it's craziness. I think uh, because people see things, you know, that those impulse buys. But if you could look at it with a, a, a different lens and say, instead of buying this, this money can turn into something completely different in a more powerful way. If I'm just a little bit more patient, that I do, I really need a stupid Darth Vader mask. Actually, I do. I really in do. Because it's your main piece in your living room. It is my main piece. Oh, God, it's great. I come home from work and just put that thing on. <laughs> Money is worth more. I mean, it really is worth more in the future. Yeah, that three or four multiple is is key. I mean, I don't care how old you are. I mean, if you're 50, if you're 60, if you you know, just certain things. When you finish listening to today's podcast, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com to read the show notes on our interviews with Grant Sabatier and all our other guests. Plus, you can access white papers, articles, webinars, and hundreds of video clips on tax planning, investing, retirement planning, social security, estate planning, small business strategies, and just about every personal finance topic you can imagine. It is a veritable treasure trove of information just waiting for you at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. That's yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine. We're talking to Grant Sabatier. So let me ask you this now. All right. So you got the blog, you got the podcast. Are you completely, I guess, retired? Or are you working? Are you still getting a paycheck? Or are you living off now your investments? And um, uh, tell me a little bit now what's going on. 
Yeah, no, I'm actually making more money than I've ever made before. Well, rub um, it in there, Grant. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's funny. It's so I funny. made a million dollars when I was 14. Uh, Doogie Howser on the website of lawyers. I make a million a year. Hey, man. Hey, that website, the website makes at least 30 grand a month. You know, oh, wow. It makes like 30 grand a month. Uh, I signed a book deal with Penguin Random House. My book's coming out next year. Uh, you know, I do speaking engagements. I do consulting engagements. I still own part of a digital marketing agency, so I'm involved in that. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty it's pretty funny because you know, I call it the compounding interest of life. It's one of those things where oddly, one of the after effects of investing so hard in so many things during that five year period, you know, they continue to bear fruit and multiply. You know, like so the connections that I made, and not only the money, but you know, the connections that I made and the clients that I had. And, um, you know, it's, pr- it's, it's pretty funny how, you know, if you kind of set yourself up early, uh, you know, it, now the, you know, it really took me a long time to learn how to say no, honestly. Like I've got so much stuff going on that so, I've had to, you know, are, I've had to are really you, try are to you still back. saving 80% of that income? No, I actually, um, I'm probably saving more in like the 60% range. Oh. So I'm definitely banking big. I mean, I don't have, dude, 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 I, I have like, I spend less than like $300 a year on new clothes. You know, so I'm still, I've carried a lot of these frugal habits. Yeah. But, I, you know, but I'll stay in some of the nicest hotels in the world when I travel. You know, so at the end of the day, it comes down to spending on what I value. You know, I, I, this is crazy. I haven't paid for a flight in over three years. You know, I just use my credit card rewards. You know, so I do all these things and I'm still able to save a ton of money. You know, it's just it's just the way, you know, now it's like so ingrained in me that I can't not do it. But, yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, I could walk away from work forever today. But, you know, I'm having a lot of fun. I've been writing about money now since 2015. And just over the last year, it's just blown up. I mean, it's just massive. You know, I get about 250, 300,000 visitors a month, you know, on the website. And then the books, you know, are going to come out next year. And it's pretty funny. For the first time yesterday, I was in a CNBC article. It was like Mark Cuban, Susie Orman, David Bach, and me. And I was like, all right, I've arrived. Yeah. Great. Wow. That's impressive. I got a quote in the Annadale Gazette. <laughs> it's a town in Minnesota of about 200 people. Hey, I, I got a question because we, we just saw a study by Go Banking Rates in 2017 that, and this is older millennials from age 25 to 34, uh, 41% have nothing saved and another 20% have less than a thousand bucks saved. And, and I know your podcast is geared towards millennials. So what are you telling them right now? What should they do differently than what they're currently doing? Yeah, uh, that's that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, that's probably a little more pessimistic and some of the data that I've seen, um, you know, p- older millennials are starting to save a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to, uh, you know, how much money you're making. And when you look at the actual data, you know, most millennials make less money than our parents did, like a third less money than our parents did, uh, you know, adjusted for inflation, you know, at our age. You know, so p- millennials just aren't making that much money. So when you're not making that much money, you can't save that much money. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you're making 30K, you know, you can't really frugal your way to wealth. Like literally, if you're making 30K and you're saving, t- you know, 10% of your income, you'll never be able to retire. And that's when it gets really, really scary. So, you know, I have a lot of a lot of tips uh, on the blog. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, uh, you know, just the escalations uh, of your savings rate. So I recommend that, you know, say people start at a 10% savings rate. I recommend that they try to escalate that. One percent every thirty days. Um, wow. So I found that to be a really good threshold. You really don't feel it, and by the end of the first year, you've gone from saving ten percent to twenty-two percent of your income, which is a massive difference. I mean, that's like retiring ten years earlier stuff. You know, if you can keep up and sustain that. So I'm a huge believer in taking the small steps, but but doing them relatively rapidly. You know, like one percent. You save one percent a month. You know, over a three-year period, you'll get to saving 40% of your income in no time. And you really won't notice that much of a difference, um, especially at the same time, you know, if you're trying to make more money. I think a lot of people, they just don't really have that money-making orientation. Uh, you know, they tend to think that the nine-to-five is the only way. Like, I was one of the OG side hustlers. So, like, you know, at one point I was, you know, I had seven different income streams that I was just banking. You know, I have a great example of there was this one week uh, where I sold a $35,000 project. I sold $300 worth of concert tickets, and uh, I flipped a moped for about 500 bucks, 
And then I, you know, I, it wasn't above me when my neighbor asked me to watch his cat, you know, to take the $60 to watch his cat for the weekend. Wow. You know what I mean? Like there's like, money out there, man. Yeah. Money, money, people think money's finite, man. Money's infinite. It is. Governments are printing it all the time. It's, it's totally infinite. And that's one of the things It's a lot of people, it's like, fine. If you're over, you know, if it's, if it's above you to go out and hustle for that 20 bucks, fine. That's, that's fine. You know, with you, but I'm going to take that 20 bucks and I'm going to invest it because, you know, at a 10% investment rate, it's going to double in 7.2 years. You know, the rule is 72. So it's just, it's, it, you know, it's like anything you want in life. You can't sit back and like, you know, go out with your buddies every night and, you know, get hammered and go to games on the weekends and then expect to make a lot of money. Well, that's you not know? fun, it's, Grant. That is not fun. <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to tell me more about this Volkswagen camper flipping. It intrigued you, didn't it? So much money in VW campers. Um, so I've been I, I, I've, I've been buying VW campers now. Gosh, what, is, what the hell is a VW? What's what's? I don't I don't even know what a Volkswagen camper looks like. Like a hit, like, like a hippie pop up van. You know the ones where it pops up and you can sleep in the top. <laughs> yeah, thick thick sixties, seventies. Yeah, the well, yeah the camper it's van. Not, yeah, it's not the are, bus. It's not the Volkswagen no, the bus. bus. No, the bus. They're the bus, it's, but it's they converted. pop up. Yeah, it's converted. It's converted by a company called Westphalia. They're okay. called Westies. Right. Um, but anyway, their vans are super popular. Um, you know, they've just gotten more and more popular because Volkswagen basically stopped making the ones that you want to buy in 1992. Um, so it's like all of them are made from like 1955 to 1992. And there's all these different generations of them, but they're super popular. It's like a car, you know, it's like a, a, a little two-stroke engine. Uh, and it basically, you know, you can take it anywhere. It's got a kitchen in it, propane fueled uh refrigerator and uh and sink and stove um i mean it's ama- they're amazing little vehicles and 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 they appreciate like a beast like i bought uh, a volkswagen camper gosh like in 2010 gosh how much pro- probably for around eleven thousand, and i sold it for over thirty thousand dollars five years later because because they're not making them anymore yeah, they're not making it anymore. And then, like, Tom Hanks collects them, and, like, you know, all the kids want them. And, you know, everyone's trying to, like, live the minimalist lifestyle now, so everyone's buying campers. Like, what? Airstream sales are through the roof. How did you get um, into that in the first place? Uh, I actually grew up. I had a neighbor that I grew up near who was super into Volkswagen campers. Um, so I was, like, camping in them when I was a little kid. Uh, I just got really kind of, you know, fascinated with them, uh, you know, from an early age. So I, I've owned a bunch um, I actually currently don't own one because uh, in Chicago now my garage that I have it doesn't fit. They're like seven feet tall. Um, you know they're super big vehicles. Uh, but yeah, I got into it at an early age. Um, I got my first one when I was 19, so that was the second car that I had. I sold my Ford Explorer uh, to buy a Volkswagen camper van, so I was I was actually pretty popular with it in college. My like the, guy with the, the hippie van, you know. Yeah. My neighbor has, I think, 14. Volkswagen bugs. <laughs> and so I got a side hustle for you, Grant. You get over to San Diego yeah. and steal these damn bugs. It's like I'm infested. Actually, My yard is infested with Volkswagen bugs. If you could make a camper out of a bug, then you'd really have something. It's like I can't even oh, pull in my drive. I mean, he's parking them on his yard. I mean, it, they are everywhere. It's <laughs> I, they, they, it's like every every week there's a damn new bug in the driveway. In the street. He parks well, me in the street. The, the whole street is filled with bugs. You, you think it's a, it's a stupid carnival. Well, you should buy six or seven yourself just to fit in. Oh, I want to blow those things up. I need an exterminator. Oh. Yeah, those things are actually pretty dangerous. Those engines, they catch the old ones. You can catch fire pretty pretty easily. They've got some, some issues. So, so what you're saying? I should just kind of tweak something, a little spark, <laughs> <laughs> or just just go in. You can go in. It's super easy. Google like how to remove the oxygen sensor, and go in and remove the oxygen sensor on all of them, and then none of them will start. <laughs> but then they'll. Be there forever. Yeah, then they'll be there forever <laughs> on the graveyard of bugs. <laughs> oh, hey, Grant, tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, uh, millennialmoney.com uh, or at millennialmoney on Twitter are the two best places to find me. If you want to email me, hit me up, uh, grant at millennialmoney.com. And uh, yeah, hey, man, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, that's Grant Sabatier. $2.26 to a million bucks in five years and three months and four days. We got to take a break. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. So what if you aren't a millennial, you're actually about to retire? 
Do you think that your portfolio can stand up to the stress test of record low interest rates, skyrocketing health costs, market volatility, increased longevity? Do you think you can afford to live to be 90 or 100 years old? Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner. There's no cost or obligation to you, and you'll learn highly effective strategies to transform your savings and income in retirement, minimize your risk, reduce your taxes, and help your portfolio withstand today's challenges in a stress test. Sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture in handy bullet point format. This week, seven things you should immediately do if you want to be a millionaire. We just talked to Grant Sabatier, as you mentioned, and uh, he uh, has a lot of great information for millennials, and I thought I would sort of continue on, right. that, on that theme. And I actually liked what Grant said a lot, which is whatever you start at saving, let's say it's 10% of your salary, the next month make it 11, the month after that make it 12. A lot of times the, the, the guidance is every year at a percent. What about every month? I'm going to do that. Yeah, me too. Let me start yeah. start next month maybe. <laughs> next month, or maybe maybe next year. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah that's going to be the financial summit for 2018. But, that, but that's that's the mechanics of, of it, but but there's a lot that uh, you sort of have to get your mind right. So that a lot of these are, are kind of getting your mind right and the, and the first one is attain the abundance mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck <laughs> D-W-E-C-K, a professor at Stanford, uh, spent over three decades studying what separates top performers from everyone else, and she found it came down to mindset. And it's true. I, I truly believe that people that adopt an abundance mindset, then they keep thinking there's plenty of opportunity, and they look for it. And people that, that don't have that mindset, they just, they're, they're oblivious to the opportunities, and they just assume that there's not much to, that, that's out there for them. Right. No, that's key. And so I mean, Grant was talking about he he babysits a cat. Right. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes. He brings a cat back. He brings the gar- you know the garbage cans in from the street and gets another five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I truly believe that. Just kind of just stop thinking about scarcity. There's abundance out here. It's it's wide open, and that's that's the cool thing about living in the United States. I'll put a little plug for the U.S. of A. And that's not necessarily true in every country. Sure. So number two is set the right goals because it's like, what goal are you pursuing or do you even have goals? And something like 70% of the of the wealthy actually have at least one major goal that they've written down and they monitor. And something like only 3% of those struggling to make ends meet have goals. We've talked about that before. Yeah, Harvard did several studies on right. that. And they tracked them like 10 years later, 20 years later, that people actually, the, the ones that had a, a written type of thesis of what their life would look like, right. you know, written goals and action steps on how to achieve those goals, even though a lot of them didn't necessarily accomplish that specific goal, right. but they were significantly ahead of most people that didn't write anything down. Exactly. And, and the thing about goals is it, it needs to be reviewed and updated constantly because opportunities, life changes. And But if you've got goals in front of you, you kind of know what you're shooting towards. Right. The third one is start investing, even if it's a small amount. And um, this, the author here says she started with $200. Uh, and here's another. She reached millionaire status. Basically, by you start small, but then you just keep adding to it, like we just talked about. That's that's super important. Number four is surround yourself with successful people. So you and I need new friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, have you ever this? I forgot his name, but he just he's, he wrote a book called The Memo, and it's coming out soon. He was on a book tour, and I, I listened to one of his interviews. Phenomenal, um, and he was kind of talking about like inner city, um, and he's like, he, and he speaks into inner cities, and he's like, you know, if you're hanging out with your cousin that keeps asking to borrow money from you, you're probably hanging out. I mean, he might be a nice guy, sure, but if if you want to make something, you you got to look at who you surround yourself with, yeah, and you are definitely a product of your, your five friends, right. Moods and motivation are highly contagious, and I, I, I truly believe that. If you're around successful people all the time, you have a better attitude, and you'll follow in their footsteps, and vice versa. You actually help each other out. Right. So right, people listening to this show right now are just in a happy mood. Yeah, well, they are. They're, oh. And they've already found a better show. <laughs> <laughs> they want to talk about success more. 
Uh, number five, read a lot. I've got a recommendation for our listeners. It's called The Better Angels of Our Nature. Stephen uh, Pinker. Oh, the, the problem is it's 832 pages. The but, Better Angels of Our Nature? Mm-hmm. I would never even come close to looking at that. How did well, that pop into your lap? <laughs> because Bill Gates said to read it. Oh, and well, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates says it. He, he said, and he was talking to graduates, he said, if I could give each of you a graduation present, it would be this. Read this book. It's the most inspiring book I've ever read. And so I thought, well, if Bill Gates thinks so, then... Uh, Alan Clopine does too. Then I want to read it. And interestingly enough, it's it's basically a, a book, it, it's a scientist, if you will, that basically studies the history of crime, violence, war, terrorism, from beginning of history to now. And what he found in, in excruciating detail, so if you don't like the detail, skim it, right? But what he found out was that we are living in the most, the safest time in the history of mankind. Yeah, I could, and, I could and, see that. But the media, when you listen to the media, it seems like just the opposite. And the reason why I bring it up and and why he thought it was such a good book, and I do too, is that I think a lot of millennials think the world's coming to an end, but yet we're in in much better shape than we've ever been in terms of human rights, racism, women's rights. All these things are much, much better than they used to be. But since we haven't lived 5,000 years or 10,000 years, it's hard to get a a perspective, right? And you're you're what? What'd you say? You read four books at a time? I do. Each night you pick another book and... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get confusing? No. Because it's all the same topic, Al. <laughs> it's finance. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll read like the, the collapse of Lehman Brothers one night and then yeah. the other's like some advisor's cheesy yeah. personal finance book. And then the other one was a book on Jamie Dimon, uh, the CEO it. of JP Morgan. Yeah, you know, yes, so I yeah, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's similar topics. Sure. It's not like I'm reading. Well, I, I guess if I, I'm, I'm actually reading, I'm not reading the archangels of our <laughs> the existence. Better, yeah, the, better, the better angels of our nature. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not reading that. Then yeah. turning it to it. Harry Potter. And then well, go, you know, right? I guess I'm reading three at the same time. None of them are finance. You're listening to them. One of them I'm listening to, I'm reading. Okay. I'm reading Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. That's actually really interesting. It's like the history of the universe. But he writes it in such a way you can almost understand it. So now I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than I was last week. How long is it going to last? Then it, well, <laughs> it's already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. but I'll, I'll read it again. And then On Trails and Exploration, that's, that one is really fun because I like hiking. And then The Rosie uh, Project, that's, that's actually super fun. But it's like we were just talking about first hour. I used to always only read finance and investing and leadership type books. And I still read those. And, and I kind of find nowadays, instead of the how-to of being a leader, because I've, I've read so many of those, it's more biographies. I, I enjoy hearing how other people have done it. Like I, I read Shoe Dogs recently. That's Phil yeah, Knight and no, Nike, that. and that's a really good book. I, I read Let My People Go Surfing, which is the Patagonia story. So I, I, I you know, Steve Jobs' book. It was, I think it was called Jobs, is what it was. Anyway, so read a lot. Yep. Number six, Joseph, is learn to say no. And the idea here is that uh, may, might appear that wealthy individuals are extreme opportunists just like Grant Sabatier. But as he sort of alluded to, those that leap into every opportunity, they end up um, kind of spreading themselves thin. Mm-hmm. And so those that succeed actually understand better than anyone that success depends upon defending their most valuable and non-renewable asset, which is time, knowing what, how to spend your time. You know, that's key. It's taken me so long to figure that out. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still working so hard to figure that out. Yeah, you've made huge strides in the last year. Yeah, I'm trying say. because yeah. it's like, all right, well, yeah, I want to be happy. I want to be productive. And the more mm-hmm. happy and productive I am, the more successful I think we'll all be. But it's like I couldn't say no to anything. Right. right. This event's going on. All right, I'll speak. All right, this guy needs help with this. All right, I'll do it. I'm, you know, yeah, right. I'm, your, right, I'm your guy. Sure, right. And it's like... I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I. I can remember when I was your age, <laughs> going way back. <laughs> Delegating that was my single hardest thing to right. do, and I know you struggle with that too. But you're getting a lot better, which is great. Here's what Richard Branson says: Opportunities are like buses. There's always another one coming. So he says, avoid F O M O FOMO. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Right? Uh, It shouldn't be the driving force behind you because uh, you only say yes to opportunities and invitations that excite you. Because if if, if one comes along and it's not that exciting, there'll be another one. You know, in college, I would go to like 18 parties a night 
Have you ever seen the movie Swingers? Uh, no. You've never? No, oh my God, Alan. <laughs> Enough of this already. Why would I watch a movie about swingers? It's... <laughs> it's based on... Anyway. You've never seen that movie. I, I'm going to uh, buy a bunch of DVDs. Well, that, and I'm just going to... Do you but, even have a DVD player? Of course. I yeah. saw this. What we were talking about. You've never seen Tombstone. No. I was going to text you the other night but, but here, because but it was on it was like on, TNT. But here, here's the thing is, you know how bad I am with names. I probably have seen most of these movies. I just don't remember. <laughs> but anyway, I would go to like all these different parties and you would spend like 10 minutes at each party yeah. because you were, oh, oh well, this one's, you know, this one's lame anyway, right? So <laughs> then you would go to another one and then it was like, ah, well, be better, right? oh, this one's a little bit better, but man, well, got, and then all of a sudden, ah, the other one was a little bit better. Do we go to back to, oh, no, no, so-and-so's having a party. So then you go to that one and then it's like the whole night sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Okay. Well, that's good. I got to do the seventh one, which is networking. And that's uh, that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, people that network, they end up with making contacts. About 85% of jobs are found through networking. Only 15% come from classified ads or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but networking, okay, there's two different things of networking versus building relationships. Yeah. Right? And, and I mean, that's, half the, that, that, those that, stupid networking d- deals, I'd, I'd never go to those. I, because I know it's you know. you're hanging out, and, you know, some of the people are there just to get, you know, a little buzzed. Right. You know, some other people, they're broke and they're looking for, it's like, no. Away. So I, I agree with you. Let me explain. So networking to, to get clients at these stupid events, that hardly ever works. But but ne- networking in the sense of getting to know people, maybe going out to lunch one-on-one or whatever, and building relationships with successful people, I think to me that's where there's real value. Yeah, that's relationship building. Yes. So right. let's, yeah, let's call it what it is. Okay. It's all not right. networking. So that's, networking that's... reminds me of like the rotary. No <laughs> offense to all you rotary. Um, or... Did you ever do it? No. Rotary? Yeah, I me won either. once. Oh, you went once? I did. Like, in... Did you have to get up in front of the group no, and no, say, no. hi, I'm Joe? And yeah, so it was like a meeting or something? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> San Diego, are you on a smooth, well-paved road to retirement, armed with a good roadmap and clear directions? Join us on October 25th for a free lunch and learn and find out how to pave your road to retirement. Visit purefinancial.com slash lunch to register for this free event, lunch included. Learn about investing for your future, generating retirement income, retirement plan distributions, and how to minimize income taxes. Get on a good road to retirement. Visit purefinancial.com slash lunch to register for a free lunch and learn in San Diego on October 25th. That's purefinancial.com slash lunch. Hey, I read this article, and I'm just going to summarize here. This is by Suzanne Woolley and Ben Steberman. Um, And this is from Financial Advisor Magazine. Okay. This was September 18th. He goes, how tax reform could squeeze the middle class was the headline. So, of course. I thought it was supposed to help middle class. What do you do? You print it. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) you see it. Got you. Got Got you. So... um, and so it just starts out with, here's what we know about the details of the tax reform plan. Almost nothing. But powerful lawmakers are promising at least a framework for the overall by the end of the month. Uh, the broad goals are lower rates for corporations and individuals, a simpler tax code with fewer brackets, and the elimination of the estate tax in Altman, or alternative minimum tax. Sound pretty good, right? Beware. So, if you save for retirement or itemize your tax deductions, or could you could end up paying thousands of dollars more after tax reform than you do now to help pay for the promised cuts, Donald Trump and the Republicans in Congress are trying to raise revenue elsewhere. So, they say upper middle class taxpayers, in particular, could face a triple whammy. On the table are limits on or even elimination of three of the favorite tax perks. Deductions for mortgage interest, state and local taxes, and the ability to make pre-tax 401k retirement contributions. Yeah, those are three that get brought up a lot. The mortgage interest one, by the way, is uh, wouldn't necessarily eliminate mortgage interest, but what I've heard most commonly talked about, Joe, is is make it to where you can only deduct interest payments uh, on the first $500,000 of borrowing. Right now, there is such a rule. It's, it's, it's a million. 
of borrowing plus home equity debt for another 100,000. So it's 1.1 million is the number right now. If you borrow more than that on your home, then you have an allocation. Some of the interest is deductible, some isn't. So they're thinking about changing that to 500,000, which which clearly affects the, the wealthier individuals. The the loss of the state and local taxes as a deduction, that's a, that's a gigantic one for people that live in California. Because California has up to a 13.3% tax. And then if you take the federal tax against that, your actual savings is somewhere about 5% in in income, in actual money right. that you get to keep in your pocket because of that deduction. So in some cases, if if well, we don't exactly know what's going to happen, but it's possible that the federal rate is lowered, but without the state tax deduction, wealthy individuals in California would actually pay a higher tax uh, in their tax bill. Right, yeah. The, m- more money's going out of the pocket of taxes, even though the rates are lower. Correct, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this political rhetoric for years. You know, It doesn't matter what aisle that you sit on either, because it's, you know, hey, yeah, let's have lower tax rates. Yeah, that sounds good. But guess what? They they get rid of deductions. And so right. who is it really benefiting? Right. You know, but what they're saying is that 77, let, let me see, uh, these perks are popular with other taxpayers except for the very poor. Americans of all income levels can use 401k style plans to lower their tax bills and save for retirement. The mortgage and local tax deductions are useful to 30% of filers who itemize their returns. That includes 39% of filers earning 50 to 75,000, 56% of those making 75,000 and 100, 77% earning 100 to 200, and 90% of those making more than 200,000 bucks. So they're saying, all right, well, 90% of people that are making 200 plus are really reaping the benefits of you right. know those three things sure so there could be some could be some changes the uh, the now the 401k that's an interesting one there's been all kinds of proposals there from from ideas to say you get to a certain balance mm-hmm. in your 401k and you can't make any more and then there's other plans that are more radical which is you can't take any deductions it just becomes a rough contribution which in some ways would be great for folks because then they could get all this money growing tax free right which I can't imagine the government would do that it would be a, it would be an absolute nightmare when people retire and all this money comes out tax free. Right. There's what twenty four trillion dollars today, something like that in retirement accounts. Yeah. So that's including all retirement accounts, uh, IRAs, four hundred one ks, DBs, and things like that. And I mean, right now it's like okay, finally the baby boomers are getting to a certain age where they can start taking distributions. Yes. These and they plans are. aren't that old. They're forty years old. Correct. And it takes a while to accumulate some wealth. Right. And we talked earlier in the show about most people haven't had any money saved, but there's twenty four trillion in these accounts. So the people that had saved, there's a ton in there. Yes, which will all be taxable, taxable when it's withdrawn. And, and, of course, at 70 and a half, you have to take a required minimum distribution, whether you want to or not. So the money's going to be coming out, and it's going to be taxed. Right. And so it's th- this whole thing of, all right, let's have everything after tax and grow tax-free sounds great, but... Oh, buyer beware with that. They're going to have basis in there, and then it's going to be pro rata coming. Because right now, if you make an after-tax contribution, this is very important for those of you that have after-tax contributions in any type of retirement account, IRAs or 401ks. Um, we see mistakes all the time. With a 401k plan, if you have after-tax contributions, it's really easy to blow this thing up. And what I mean by after-tax is that right now you can uh, defer $18,000 into a 401k plan pre-tax, so you get the tax deduction. And if you're over 50, you get a, a catch up where you could put up to $24,000. So you put $24,000 in, you get a $24,000 tax deduction. That money grows tax deferred. Then when you pull the money out, then that's when you are uh, the income taxes are owed. Some plans allow you to continue to contribute more than the $24,000 or eighteen, and you can put in dollars into the 401k plan, but you don't get a tax deduction for those dollars. And I think it's up to about $52,000, Al. Fifty-two or fifty-four thousand is the maximum defined contribution um, yeah, limit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's maybe fifty-three, maybe. So just um, cut them. Well, it's it's a little over fifty thousand. Or fifty-three or fifty-four thousand this year, and and if you're over fifty, it's an extra six thousand on top of that. 
So what that means is that in some plans, if you wanted to continue to save in the 401k plan, you can do so, but you don't get a tax deduction, but the money grows tax deferred. But what the powerful thing is of those after-tax contributions is that you could take those after-tax contributions and directly convert those into a Roth IRA. So some people in the industry of the media, they call it the super Roth, right? So I can put in another $20,000, let's say, into my 401k plan. It's an after-tax contribution. And then I could take that $20,000 and convert it into a Roth IRA. So that was like a $20,000 Roth IRA contribution. So it's a very good technique if you are looking at tax diversification within your overall retirement strategy. But let's say I don't know that rule and I take distributions from that 401k plan, then everything comes out pro rata. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have a $100,000 balance inside the account. 90000 of it is pre-tax, 10000 is after-tax. So 10% of the overall balance of the account is an after-tax contribution. And if I take a dollar out of that 401k plan, all right, then 10 cents of it would be tax-free. 90% of it would be taxable. Right, which is true over the whole life of that plan. The whole life of the plan. And so each dollar that I pull out, I get a 10% kicker of tax-free, 90% I pay the tax on it because I had those after-tax contributions. I already paid tax on it. There's no, you know, They don't want to double tax us. When they could have easily just took that $10,000 of after-tax contributions, put it into a Roth IRA, and then any dollar that comes out of a Roth IRA is 100% tax-free. And then, of course, the IRA, everything that's pulled out of there is taxed at ordinary income rates. You can separate the two. But if I roll that now into an IRA, okay, now I got after-tax in the IRA. And then trying to separate it from an IRA versus a 401k is a completely different game. It's a totally, completely different game. Because what when was this, 2012 is when they signed that bill yeah. to allow after-tax contributions from a 401k into a Roth IRA? But that doesn't necessarily apply to your IRA. Yeah, it absolutely does not apply right? to your IRA. <laughs> you have to do, you got to do a whole slew of crazy stuff, potentially, to try to get that basis out. Yeah, the only way to do that is to is to have a new employer, a new, new 401k, 401k yeah. you roll your old IRA into the 401k, they only take uh, pre-tax money. You're left with post-tax money in your IRA, and then you can convert that. But then you have to be careful, Joe, because if you do it too close together, it's considered a step transaction. The whole thing gets unraveled. Right. It's just like, well, no, you did that just to do this. Right. And right. So we're not. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not. We're, we're not going to allow it. We're going to pretend that you did this all at the same time, and it's not allowed. Right. Or it's a complete full distribution, 100% taxable. Right. <laughs> and if you got a large balance there, yeah. blow up city. Forget right, about it. Right. Right. And I mean, with because with the amount of money that are in these retirement accounts, the IRS is not messing around. They want their tax money. So if we're looking at this tax reform of saying, all right, let's get rid of the pre-tax contribution. And if they mess with this, this would drive me absolutely nuts because this is craziness. Well, no one would be able to keep track of this. And they're trying to simplify taxes. It, it, this but, would make it so much but, but more that's complicated. Not the, 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 the point is that people need to save money. You know what I mean? And there's and with the people that are not saving money, Alan, it's not a, a lot of it is that they can't afford it, but there's the other part of it that they're just misinformed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like here, I don't have a 401k plan. I make 150,000. I just met someone this week. They make $150,000 a year. They don't have a 401k plan. You know how much money they've saved? Not very much. Almost nothing. <laughs> Yeah, but you make 150 grand. What are you doing? You know, well, I don't have a 401k plan, and you know, it's it's tough because I get my paycheck and I spend it. Yeah, which is what most people do. Right? And then, so here's what's going to happen: is that all right? Well, now it's after tax. Oh, it's not that good of a deal, right? And then people are like, well, it's not that good of a deal. I'm not going to do it. Well, no, it's a it's a great deal. Right. You, but there's misinformation. And I think with that, uh, we you just there, anyway. I'll, yeah, I'll, I yeah. Well, and and I think where you're also going to go if we had more time is is we actually need more incentives to save, not less. And right. they're, they're trying to take them away. Exactly. And so, yeah, I understand that. All right. Well, if someone's making two hundred thousand dollars, they utilize the four hundred one k plan. I get it. Yeah, and they take a pre tax contribution, but. It, we need to save for retirement. If they're if the money's not there in their retirement accounts, they're broke. What's going to happen? Where are they going to go? They're going to go to the government. I mean, right? You got all these broke old people. Right. Here's another thing too. Okay. And then Alan, you might get because you and I, we, I think now we agree, and I don't want to get you all fired up on college 
stuff. Because that was a nightmare. You didn't talk to me for two weeks. <laughs> I don't remember what we, what we disagreed on. Well, no, you were all fired up because we talked about um, because how much money that you had to pay for college. And then oh, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> The yeah, master's yeah, degrees yeah, yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. else. Jeez, I got on my high horse. Yes. And I was listening to this interview um, with this individual, and she was saying, you know, hey, I get it. We all love our kids. We want to help our kids, and we want to save, you know, help them, you know, in, in, enrich their lives and everything else. And because, you know, I don't want a 40-year-old, you know, in my basement – Right? right. Uh, let's get this person out in the world and get them educated and so they can make something of, uh, of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then, but what, what she said is like, I think what these people are forgetting is it's going to be the other way around. It's going to be a 75-year-old in the basement of a 40-year-old because you're broke, because <laughs> right. you put all your money to help your kids through school or you spent or whatever. That is true. Right? I, I don't it, disagree with it, that. It, it's it's going to have a reverse effect because they're, people are jeopardizing their overall retirement savings. And they're saying, all right, well, here, I'm, I'm going to fund college. Yes, put your kid through school, but be strategic about it. You can take loans for school. You can't take a loan for retirement, right? Now you're 65, you're 70 years old, and where's the money, right? It's compounding. The earlier that you can save, the more that you can save earlier on, the better off you're going to be. So it's just, and then now they're going to take away some benefits for people to save for retirement. Uh, Al and I live this every single day, and there's got to be more incentives. Well, there do, Joe, and we, I mean, we see many people each week, and probably the majority of the people that we see have done a pretty good job saving, sure. but, but not all. But then there's a lot of people that don't come to see us because they're embarrassed or they don't want to admit that they have a problem or, or whatever the reason may be. And we know that uh, we, we see these studies. We just read this. It's 57% of the people out there have less than a $1,000 saved, right? And so you're going to go to a financial plan. It's like, it's like the last place you want to go is see a doctor when you're sick because he might tell you something like really bad. That really bad. You're you thinking, six months. No, this, no I, can get, I, can get, I can get over this. Right. And the same thing with saving. It's like, well, I don't want to go see the financial planner because they're going to tell me to save more. President Trump and the big six Republican tax negotiators just released the details of their tax reform plan, and they're hoping to complete the overhaul of the tax code before the end of the year. How might income tax, estate tax, and business tax change? Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the tax reform white paper to find out. Are your tax strategies at risk? Get year-end tax planning tips that can help you stay on track in the midst of all this uncertainty. Download the tax reform white paper to find out more. Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now, if you've got a burning money question, just call 888-994-6257 for your chance to talk to Joe and Big Al and have your question answered live during Your Money, Your Wealth. That number again is 888-994-6257. 888-994-6257. Of course, you can always put your questions in an email to info at purefinancial.com, just like these folks did. We got one from Rod. His question is, is a makeup contribution to my 401k tax deductible for that year? So I guess, first of all, what is a makeup contribution, Joe, on the 401k? Well, I'm not sure what he's really referring to, but there's a catch-up. I think that's what he means, yeah. I'm not sure what a makeup is. Well, that's what I'm assuming he means. There's a catch-up provision, which means if you're 50 and older, you can put $6,000 more into your 401k than people that are under 50. Yeah, well, any contribution that you put into a retirement account, uh, I mean, for an employer-sponsored plan, if mm-hmm. you take the pre-tax route, yeah, you get a tax deduction. There. Yeah, so, so the answer to the question is yes, because, I mean, whether it's that first $18,000 or it's the next $6,000, they have the same tax treatment. You get a tax deduction either way. So yeah, so the full twenty four thousand dollars would be a tax deductible if you went, um, you know, the traditional plan route. We got another question. I'm not sure whether this is a listener or a TV viewer, but Ross, I edited this a little bit, Joe, just for clarity. But I took, I think I took the essence of it. Would I, you? I didn't edit the first part. I enjoy your shows as I enjoy you two characters. See? Thanks, Ross. Yeah, Characters. Yeah. You make it fun to learn. All right. Let's so, do this. So, so that's, that's pretty good. I have a few questions as I learn more and more, uh, and I want to come out ahead. The general idea is that the more you save, uh, the, the nest egg hopefully grows over time by compounding. However, when it comes to retire, at least in California, you will pay about 45% or so in taxes. 
that's probably that's a that's a fairly high rate. You'd have to be pretty in, in the highest tax Could brackets. Can you see the email question? Yeah, so I'll just a little side comment. <laughs> Uh, when you and this is when you take. Why it out. are you reading the email questions? By the way, I, I didn't know. even see these because I have them. Oh, okay. And you didn't print them. Got it. So, um, at, uh, so he and th- he's talking about high taxes when he takes money out of his SEP IRA. At the, at the same time, we pay a mortgage that is a little more than twice what we borrowed. So, in my case, about seven percent. Uh, I guess is the mortgage in the stock market real estate have similar returns. So his question is, do you come out ahead paying off your mortgage or investing in your retirement? All right, so let's break it down. Yeah. Now we can break this thing down. Yeah. Ross, so a couple of things here. So he's saving money into a SEP IRA. Correct. You know, it depends on how big his SEP IRA is, but the 45% tax rate. All right, so let's go through the tax rates. First, mm-hmm. they stair step. So, this is how the tax system works here in the U.S. It starts at 10, goes to 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, then 39.6. So, some of the money is going to be taxed at 10, then some is 15 and 25 and so on and so forth. So depending on what your income level is, that 39.6 or 40% on the federal side, you know, you're over 400 and some odd thousand dollars of income. Correct. So if you're over $400,000 of income, yes, you will be in the 39.6 or let's just call it 40% plus the state of California is 1050. So if you're at that high level, all right, so yes, then when you pull those big dollars out, you would be taxed at that rate. I'm thinking that you might be a little confused on on the tax rates. So I think it's looking at the tables of where you fall, how much income that you have, um, and then you can kind of determine what tax bracket that you're in today and also what tax bracket that you think you're going to be in retirement. Alan and I talk quite a bit about tax diversification. So once you know those two key components, then it's looking at, well, should you do Roth IRAs? Because then those dollars were not going to be taxed at all when you start pulling them out. Uh, But you do not get a current tax deduction. And so you might want to do a little bit of a combination of multiple things. Yeah, so, and, and I'll just add, Joe, for those of you that live in California, as a um, as a taxpayer, once you're making, and it's different for everybody, but this is rough. Once you're making about $200,000 to $250,000, something like that, you're probably subject to alternative minimum taxes in California, maybe two let's just say. And as soon as you're subject to alternative minimum taxes, when you add up the federal tax rate and the tax expense for phasing out the alt-min exclusion and the state tax, it, it actually is about a 45% marginal rate. But it's not on everything. Like you said, it's just on those extra dollars that you earn past that point, because before that, you get the 10%, 15%, all, all that sort of thing. But the first thing we're getting at is, should you be doing a deductible SEP or... If you've got the ability to set up your own solo 401k, if you've got a business, maybe you should have a Roth option in the 401k. Maybe some of that should be in the Roth, which isn't, you don't get a tax deduction, but it grows tax-free. So maybe some of that you do as a deductible 401k so that you do have tax diversification later. Right. Yeah, I would look into a solo 401k with a profit-sharing component where you can put a lot more money into those plans, potentially, right. depending on your income but what than about, a SEP. What about his question? Should he favor more money going to pay off the mortgage or more money going into investing it for retirement? Okay. So now that's the the million dollar question. Right. So it depends. It depends on how big of a mortgage that you have. It depends on what interest rate that you have. It depends on what tax bracket that you're in. It depends on how much liquid capital that you have. It depends on your age and your health. It depends on your other income sources. Do you have a pension? Do you have Social Security? Are you married? Are you single? So without knowing any of that information, it's very difficult. If you just ran the numbers financially, right, you could say, hey, should I hold on to a mortgage? Let's say if you have a a, a mortgage rate of 4% and you're in a 25% tax bracket, So should I pay off that mortgage, throw more money at the mortgage, or should I have more liquid investments? Emotionally speaking, it's going to make more sense to pay off the mortgage because then you don't have debt. You have your home. You can live there happily ever after, not necessarily worried about the bank foreclosing on you. If you want to talk about finances, then it probably makes more sense not to rapidly pay down the mortgage, but to invest that because you have a low interest rate. It's locked in for the rest of your life, let's say for 30 years. So you're beating inflation there because inflation is going to continue to go up, but your payment is going to stay stagnant. 
continent, right? Flat. And then those other dollars, but it's called arbitrage. Maybe you get 6% over a 20, 30 year time period with that investment. Well, 6% beats four, plus you get the tax deduction on the four. So you might only be paying three. So then you're using the bank's money to enhance your overall wealth. And then at that point, you could take the liquid capital, pay off the mortgage if you want, and you still have additional dollars. That's on the finance side, but you have to be disciplined. You have to understand how markets work. You have to understand how taxes work. You have to understand your overall financial situation. So it's it's a really tough question to answer. It is a common mistake we see, Joe, is, is those that solely focus on paying their mortgage. They retire without a mortgage, but they've got no savings. Zero. So, I, I so mean, how, I do just... you, how do you live off? Your, I mean, you, you got a home paid off. I get that, but you got no liquidity. Right. I met a couple, kept on refinancing, refinancing, taking money out, taking money out, taking money out. Their home is upside down, spending that, almost nothing saved. Their grace of God was that, unfortunately, a parent died and they inherited their home. Mm-hmm. So now they got a home free and clear and Social Security and a little bit of pension. But they got no other income. So. Right. So, But now they don't have a, a mortgage payment. Sure. So it, that goes a long way. So you have to do more significant planning. Ross, hopefully that helps. Keep asking the questions. We'll keep answering them. Hope you enjoyed the show. For Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. So to recap today's show, President Trump's overhaul of the tax code may significantly change your tax planning strategies. Check out the tax reform white paper in the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to learn more. Should you save for retirement or pay off the mortgage? It depends on all the details. Call us at 888-994-6257 to discuss your retirement strategy. And becoming a millionaire requires a number of things. The right mindset, surrounding yourself with the right people, saving as much as humanly possible, not being above the side hustle, and maybe try busting out that Darth Vader mask while you network. Couldn't hurt, right? Special thanks to our millennial millionaire guest, cat sitter extraordinaire Grant Sabatier of Millennial Money. Visit MillennialMoney.com to learn more millionaire tips and to listen to the Millennial Money podcast. Subscribe to this podcast at YourMoneyYourWealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.